<clears throat> I want to begin by praying, and then we're going to get straight way into God's Word. Father, I love you. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. Beg your blessing on the teaching this morning. Uh, thank you that your Word is alive. It's sharp. It does its work, and we don't have to use theatrics to make your Word meaningful and relevant at all. Thank you for everybody that's here. In Jesus' name, amen. I've got to do a shout-out. Forgive me, I've overlooked this. Uh, the Lowry boys, excuse me, the Lowry men are here this morning. And it is so awesome to see you guys. And uh, Sierra and Margaret, so cool. Um, let's jump in. Uh, man, I guess I'm, just kind of, I'm excited. Here we go. Let's have a little fun. Celebrating New Year's around the world. This may be old information. Um, I tell you what, we may have an emergency here. Where's Freddie? Freddie, would you call Rhonda Moss? Yep, you may want to step out and call her. Yep, that may be an emergency. So let's talk about New Year's around the world. I thought this was pretty fun. How various cultures celebrate New Year's. Well, in Brazil, you wear white and jump over waves on a shoreline. So if you happen to be on the coast in Brazil and a wave's coming in, you just you and your lovely bride, while wearing white, just jump over the wave. You're jumping into the new year. How's that? Now, if you're from Scotland, and this is pretty interesting, they have a tradition called first footing. First footing, which means the first person to set foot in your home at midnight should bring good luck and blessing. Now... The, the Scottish are a bit selfish, so let me expose their selfishness. Uh, it's best if it be a tall, dark-haired male. I'm out. Tall, dark-haired male bringing pieces of coal, shortbread, salt, a black bun, and whiskey. And if that tall dude walks into your home, you're going to be blessed for that year. In Japan, if you're a Buddhist, they're going to be ringing the bells on New Year's 108 times because in Buddhism they believe there are 108 earthly desires that are bad and as you ring the bell that cancels out one of those desires so I have no idea what made the list for the 108 but if you ring a bell it cancels that desire and eventually you want nothing I guess that makes it a good year in Greece they hang onions on the doorway. They hang on. There you go. Yeah. Add some add some garlic and hey. That you're, about the person walking into your door. Yes, yes. That would be a fragrant home. In the Philippines, you gather five, uh, 12, 12, 12 months, 12 fruits that are round, like an orange and an apple. Do you know anything about that? Do you ever do that? Grapes, okay, there you go, easy, 12 grapes. And uh, that celebrates prosperity and abundance. In, uh, in Denmark, you smash an old plate. You take an old dinner plate and just, just smash it, and then collectively you jump off furniture. How, how's that? Now, if you had a little bit to drink, this could be really dangerous, but you all hold hands, get up on the couch and the chairs, and just jump off onto the living room floor. You're jumping into the new year, is what that is. That's Denmark. And in Russia, what's up with Russians being so tough? Matt, this is crazy. 
In Russia, they plant trees underwater. They go into the world's largest lake, the largest freshwater lake in the world, during the dead of winter. And two scuba divers, one nicknamed Father Frost, the other nicknamed the Ice Maiden, and they take this particular tree and they go under the ice and underwater, go down at least 100 feet and plant that in the bottom of the lake. Tough Russian. Now, if you happen to be Czech, you're in the Czech Republic, you're going to cut apples. This is weird, people. You're going to cut apples, and based on how the core looks, it's going to determine whether you're going to have good luck that year. Lisa, you and I as kids in Arkansas, uh, the tradition is you cut a persimmon. And the, Anybody heard of this? Cut the persimmon and certain parts. Oh, it's going to be a hard winter. Oh, it's going to be a lot more. Yeah, same thing. Only to do with apples. In Ireland, my people. Joe, your beard's awesome, dude. Mm. What's up with the Irish? You bang, a, you bang a piece of hard bread against the wall. Just get a little bread. It's going to bring in good luck. How cool is that? In Colum- this is the one that I cracked up about. In Colombia, in Colombia, before bedtime... You take three potatoes. I'm sorry, that's the wrong one. In Colombia, you take three potatoes. You peel one completely. The second one, you peel like half. And the third one, don't touch it at all. And you put those under your bed. At midnight, you wake up, you reach under the bed, you grab a potato, and whichever one you grab determines your financial blessing that year. For example, if you grab the one that you peeled, all your money's gone gone if you if you get the one without peeling you're gonna have a good financial year if you get the one in the middle it's like having it the spaniards what's up with the spaniards 12 grapes you got to pop them in your mouth and eat 12 grapes one grape per month bring on the blessing of the new years and the good old united states what do we do it is estimated worldwide that one billion people will watch the ball drop in New York. That's a lot of people watching that. Secondly, New, New Year's Day parade, that's a part of our celebration. Singing Old Lang Syne at midnight, kissing at midnight, opening a window, out with the old, in with the new. And then, if y'all are from the South, what do you do? Black-eyed peas, hog jowl, and greens. Absolutely. But the one that we've all probably done, probably, is that we've all made a New Year's resolution. We've probably all done it. You've, you've, yeah, no, no, no. Like, for one year, I will have no Pop-Tarts. None. Not going to do it. That kind of a thing. Um, I'm going to join a gym, and I'll lose 30 pounds, whatever it is. It's interesting, uh, in, the, in the gym rat days that I used to live in, January, there'd be this flood of people in the gym and, and you'd be grumpy about it because they're, they're in the way now and they're disrupting your workout and your workout's more important than their workout. And then by March, nobody's there. They're gone. You know, that, that New Year's resolution just lasted a couple months. So, all right. Now, if we're going to turn to the scriptures and we're going to look at... Uh, what does the, the, the God's word say about New Year? We have a little bit of a, a challenge or a hurdle to work through. 
First of all, the word America and the, and the word American holiday and American New Year's is not in the Bible. I know that's a shock. Uh, it's not there. But the Jews have a New Year's. Does anyone know what it's called? Hebrew bus? Very close. Someone else. Rosh Hashanah. That's the Jewish New Year. So let's borrow that and see how we can approach the Jewish New Year. So here's just a couple of slides to kind of get us focused in. There really is only two texts in the Old Testament that really focus in on this idea of a new year. Collectively, it's known as the Feast of Trumpets is what it's called, right? And this is Leviticus 23. And by the way, I want to read verse 22 to start because it's a beautiful uh, framework here. When you reap the harvest of your land, moreover, you shall not reap to the very edges of your field nor gather the gleaning of your harvest. You are to leave them for the needy and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel saying, in the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a rest. That's Shabbat, Sabbath. A reminder by blowing of trumpets. A holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work, but you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. And that is, uh, that data is actually repeated in Numbers 29. Uh, Yom Teruach in Hebrew, which means the blowing the blasting of the shofar, the ram's horn, or what we would be uh, familiar with today, a trumpet. So just a couple of things about this that I want you to, to be familiar with. The Jewish New Year, which, by the way, for 2024, if you're interested, is October 2 uh, and 4. October 2 to 4, the Jewish New Year. It's really about reflection and a call to repentance is what it's about. We normally don't think of starting the new year that way. Our idea of a resolution is a little bit hints at that, but nothing to the level of uh, in Judaism. The Jewish New Year prepares the Jewish people, uh, Rhonda, for the most important holiday of the year, which is the Day of Atonement in Hebrew Yom Kippur. All right. Now, what's what is? What is convicting, you know, we, we, uh, I was talking to Freddie earlier about the conviction of the Holy Spirit and, and God's word. The Jewish people believe that on the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, that God is going to judge all of your actions for the previous year. And your actions will be judged. And how you lived will determine whether your name is inscribed in the book of life or inscribed in the book of death. That's Judaism. That's what they teach. Two books. Which one? And that it is, it is the Rosh Hashanah, which means in Hebrew, the beginning of the new year, or literally the head, the starting point, the head, and Jews think top down, the head of the new year, Rosh Hashanah, head of the new year, the idea of the trumpet blast is the idea, it's a wake-up call. That's the idea. The new year is a wake-up call. 
to say, hey, you need to really take a deep look inside. And what your relationship with God is like, how your behaviors reflect that relationship. Because there is a coming judgment. It is really, really serious. So when you think of the Jewish New Year, it's not popping champagne bottles and eating goodies and, and all the treats and staying up and watching the, the ball drop and then kissing your sweetheart and doing some funny thing like jumping off a chair, woohoo, leaping in the New Year. None of that stuff. Smacking some bread on the wall. No. For the Jewish people, it's a time of deep introspection and a call to repentance. Do you know how long the call to repentance lasts? Anybody? Any Jewish folks? Close. At least a minimum of 10 days. 10 days. Deep introspection. Deep reflection on your spiritual morality and how you've lived your life. Right? The two days of Rosh Hashanah usher in the 10 days of repentance, also known as the days of awe which culminate in the major feast day of Yom Kippur. Let's look at this. To me, this is, just reveals God's heart. Just like in verse 22 of Leviticus 23, when it's the, it's the fall, it's the harvest, don't, don't harvest the edges of your field and the corners. Leave it for the stranger and the foreigner, the poor in your land, so they can have food. God is already thinking about grace during the harvest time. And then once the harvest is done, the work is done, the trumpets blast. By the way, in, in Judaism, when the trumpets blast, they're doing at least 100 blasts per day on Rosh Hashanah, per day. You're going to hear the shofar blasted. Um, let's talk about beginning. So the beginning of the new year in the Jewish mindset is that we're going to begin with forgiveness. God wants us to start the new year from a perspective of grace and forgiveness. Now here's where the holiness of God creates tension. If we're not careful, we will go, we'll go the path of grace to such an extent that we can have a complete disregard for how we live because it doesn't matter. Because God's default is a default of grace. And so our morality, the way we live our lives, our relationship, nothing matters. Be, you, you be you, boo. Do what you want. Live like you want. God's got your backside, even in your rebellion. No, that is absolutely not true. And the harsh reality is that we will be judged by God. That there's tension between the holiness of God, the justice of God, and the love and the mercy of God. And who does God show mercy to, ultimately? Who? The humble, the broken. He will not despise a contrite heart. You just quoted Psalm 51. But absolutely, the one who has accepted the lamb that he offered for forgiveness, Jesus. So God, knowing it's like the, the blast, da-da, da-da, the huge thing is the wake-up call in Israel Wake up, judge, you will reckon with God. There's a book of life, there's a book of death. Where are you going to be inscribed? In fact, during, during Rosh Hashanah and the days of repentance, there's a greeting that you give. Like, like in our call, say, yo, Joe, what's up? How you doing, Joe? 
and we, we chat that way. What's up? They say, Joe, may your name be inscribed. And then Joe will look at me and say, may your name be inscribed. And he's saying, Chris, may God bless you and inscribe your name in the book of life is what he's saying. He's, he's projecting a blessing onto me, me to him. God wants us to begin with forgiveness. During, during Yom Kippur, an animal is taken and that animal is sacrificed and it is symbolic of the guilt of not an individual, but the entire nation. The, the guilt of an entire nation is placed on the head of that animal. That animal is sacrificed on behalf of everybody. And it's interesting for both sins of omission and commission. Do you know what that means? Sins of omission. Do you know what that means? What does it mean? Omission, commission. What does it mean? Omission is left out. Sins that are... Commission, yeah. Sins that you do deliberately and sins that you do accidentally. Almost unknowingly, the, 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 the motive of your heart or certain behaviors, regardless of sins, commission or omission, it is all placed on the head of that animal. And that animal is sacrificed on behalf of the people. And the sins of the nation are atoned for. The day of atonement. Now atonement is an English word. And it's, it's compounded two English words put together. At one. At one. So the word atonement literally means to be unified. Or it means to be reconciled is what it means. The at one brought together. So God wants us to begin the year with forgiveness. God wants us to begin the work week after rest. God wants us to rest on Sabbath, on Shabbat. And then I think it's so beautiful in Genesis 1 where it describes the creation. God begins the day with sleep where our minds are the opposite. We begin our day with work. God says, no, you begin your day with rest. I want you to start from a platform of rest, not from a platform of exhaustion. And that is why in Hebrew it says, and the evening and the morning were the first day. All right, Christ Church, I want to turn it over to you. As followers of Jesus, how should we begin the new year? We talked about how the Jews did it. By the way, a little habit. The Jews would go by a stream of water and uh, they would empty their pockets, just symbolically, and throw them in the stream. It's called casting off. And they walk together to a stream or a river as a family and empty their pockets. I'm getting rid of the stuff of the last year. I'm getting rid of my sin, my sin habits, just getting rid of it, casting it off. It's one of their, one of their traditions that they do today. They'll eat apples with honey. They'll eat bread with honey instead of salt, things like that. So, as followers of Jesus, how do we celebrate the new year? How could we honor the Lord in this way? Yes, that's so good, Ron, to set your heart in such a way that you're going to obey him. That's so good. Someone else, how do we honor the Lord? What difference would Jesus make in our lives for 2024? We've got to realize and 
Yeah, yeah, every day. Someone else. What difference could Jesus make in how we begin the new year, our new year? Yes, Joby. And, you know, a lawyer came to Jesus. Remember the story. What are the greatest commandments? You know, trying to pin Jesus down. And Jesus, in his brilliance, obviously says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all that you are, mind, soul, you know, spirit, body, all of you. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Can you imagine, can I imagine in 2024 if I just did those two things? I set my heart to love God with all that I, I can. And I set my heart to love people. Wow. Uh, and then the lawyer says, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story. Well, there was a man <laughs> making a journey. Someone else. As followers of Jesus, how should we begin our new year? That's so good. That's so good. Someone else? Anything? Uh, someone online, Stephen? Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Anybody else? Okay, I want to offer one challenge and and I, I don't necessarily want to call this a resolution or something like that. But here's the idea. Uh, I want to challenge you to spend more time in Scripture in 2024. Now, does that mean you need to make a commitment to read the whole Bible through in, in you know, 12 months? Is reading plans are really, quite frankly, really good. And you can knock it out. It's not hard to do at all. Um, I, I don't want to put some kind of a detailed, you know, burden on you. But I do know this. If you would take, and I'm general, generalizing here, if you would take half of the time that you spend on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, just half, just cut your social media in half. Do you know how much time you'd have to read Scripture? Some of you, none, because you're just godly that way. 
You always have time for Scripture. But on average, for those of us that find a kind of low-level addiction to social media, you know the time, how it would change your concept of time if you just got off of that? I'm telling you, we've got time to read Scripture. Okay? Um, I want to challenge you to do that. Melissa, anything else? That was a yawn, I thought. Well, here it comes. She's going to throw down. She's going to give it to us. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we, can, we, can we go off script for a second? Do you think gestures matter, little symbolic gestures? Like walking up to a creek and kind of, you know, just like you're throwing something. Does it matter? You think so? Why? Yeah. So I do think things like that matter, and that's why it's careful sometimes the things that we say. We could be saying things that are yeah. true. It's very careful, very important that we watch our words <coughs> and what we say. Yeah, little gestures, yeah. 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 So this this might be a really good a good gesture. <laughs> wow. I need to do that more often. I got applause. That doesn't happen for Oh, it's hot in here. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, we little gestures matter. You know, they mean something. Yes, Jenna. They do say that statistically, if you write something down, so like if you write down, I'm going to read the Bible more and post it where you see it on a regular basis, like every day, that it's more apt to happen. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. That yeah. matters. Yeah, and that's. Uh, that's really, really wise. By the way, that's standard psychotherapeutic care to do that journaling. And the reason why is because you're using your left brain and the logic and language. Uh, I'm going to deal with my anxiety in the following ways. But when you do that, you're also integrating the right side of the brain where we process a lot of emotion, the things that bother us. And when you put logic and feeling together, ooh, that's good. That's just really good. And so when you journal scripture, you write out scripture and you write out the truth of God's word, his promises, you memorize those things. Super healthy, super, super healthy. So, okay, you guys have done so well. Appreciate this very much. And you've offered very, very wise insights. So, yeah, we we all have big choices for the new year, what we're going to do. And um, I want to say public one more thing or publicly one more thing. Our youngest baby girl, Catherine, the little baby girl, will be having a baby in July, (laughs) July 2024. (laughs) So excited. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Nine, nine grandbabies. That's that's, that's such a blessing. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Zay Zay, you are the mighty man. You are the hope of the tribe, brother. (laughs) You got to pass on the bloodline through Zay Zay. So I want, to, uh, I want to remind you of something. Uh, and I know, you know, we share the gospel at Christ Church. We're unashamed of the gospel. Uh, we will face God's judgment. And in fact, when you read in the book of Revelation, there will be an opening of the book of life. It's there. It's real. It's not the book of death, it's the book of life. And anyone's name who is not inscribed in that book 
is cast away. And the metaphor is that of a shepherd that separates sheep from goats. Those who are goats are those who do not believe in Jesus and do not submit to him as as their Lord and Savior. Now, here's why I say that. When you read Matthew 7 and other texts, Jesus says, they go like, Lord, we, we preached the gospel. We cast out demons. We prophesied. All these big power things apostles would do. And that really is a mandate against the, the apostles. And he said to them, I don't even know who you are. You're lawless. I don't even know who you are. And there's other scriptures that say the same thing. Just because we say the name Jesus does not make us Christian. When you read James chapter 2, do demons, demons know who Jesus is? Oh, yeah. They have, honestly, a more well-attuned theology than the average Christian. Satan has really good theology. He knows the facts. He even, even talks with God. Job teaches us that. Just because you can say the name Jesus or just because you go to church does not make you a Christian. This is how Paul, in brilliance, and this is the only place you get this in all the New Testament, he describes how to be born again. In verse 8 of Romans chapter 10, what does the scripture say? The word is near you. This is the gospel, the truth of the gospel in scripture. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. It's something inside of you. That is the word of faith, which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. The scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. The centerpiece of Paul's confession is the resurrection of Jesus, that you believe that God raised him from the dead. And when you pray that with all your heart, with the faith of a child, a mystery happens. He steps out of heaven. He steps inside of you. You are changed forever. You're born again. And then you that symbolic act, like emptying your pockets and symbolically throwing things away, casting it off into the stream, you're baptized, symbolizing that you've been bathed, cleansed, washed, and you're made brand new. That is the gospel. And if that has not happened to you, your name is not inscribed in the book of life. And when you face God on those terms, it is not good. It is not good. So how will you begin the new year? I think we should take, take lesson from the Jews. The great awakening, the blast. It's a wake-up call. Hey, come on. Let's go. What's going on with your faith? How serious is it? the deep 10 days of repentance, of reflection, and then the, and dedicating ourselves to God and experience, experiencing full forgiveness. I think we need to take lesson from this, those traditions and those teachings. All right, I'm praying of you. Abba Father, thank you. Thank you for everyone that's here and that you are calling us to a year of obedience to you, 
driven by a heart motive of love. You first love us, and we respond back to you in love. Thank you that your perfect love casts out fear. Abba, Father, we love you, and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.